Friends, this is Daily Power Parsha. Today is Monday, May 10th. And in Daily Power Parsha today, we are beginning the fourth book of Torah, the book of Numbers. But who's counting? Well, we are, we're, we're all counting because it is the book of Numbers, and that is a major theme of the book. In fact, sometimes the English names of the book don't really have a Jewish origin, but the fourth book of the Torah, which is called Bamidbar, which means in the desert, is also called by our sages Chumash Hapikudim, which means the book of Numbers. So even in Jewish sources, there is this notion of numbers and counting. So it's, uh, it's a strong theme. It's a strong theme. All right, what I am going to do is, as always, mute, the back, mute everybody for a quiet background. At any point, please jump in for conversation, discussion, schmoozing, etc. Okay, um, we are in Bamidbar, Numbers chapter 1, verse number 1. Always fun to begin a new book. Let's do this. So, the Lord spoke to Moses in the Sinai Desert, in the tent of meeting on the first day of the second month, in the second year after the exodus from the land of Egypt, saying, okay, that's all time and place context. You know, Lahavdil, it was a dark and stormy night, and now we're about to begin the story. Okay, so here we go. What's the context? It's in the Sinai Desert. God spoke from the tent of meeting. The tent of meeting, just to be very clear, the tent of meeting was the Mishkan. But the inner, that inner um, building, the Mishkan was, the, there was a courtyard and, and, and an open air space, and then there was the covered inner chamber. So God spoke to Moses in that space, in that inner chamber, on the first day of the second month, so this is Rosh Chodesh Iyar, right? The first month in, in the Torah is always Nisan, the month of the Exodus, and Iyar would be the second month. So Rosh Chodesh, Rosh Chodesh Iyar in the second year after the Exodus, in other words, one year after the Exodus. So the Exodus happened in the year 2448. So what I'm going to do right now is write in the chat. Thank you, Mark. It's great to see you as well. So um, I'm going to write this in the chat. 1 ER 2449. Just in case you want to know what, what day, when we're talking about, this is the first of year, 2449, is when the following took place. And what took place? Here we go. God says to Moses the following. Take the sum, that means count, of all the congregation of the children of Israel by families following their father's houses. So it needs to be a tribal count. Father's houses is a, is a euphemism. I don't know if euphemism, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a flag. It basically, um, what it's be speaking of is the notion of counting the families of their father's houses, counting the families of each tribe, because the tribes were patrilineal. A head count of every male according to the number of their names. So this essentially was heads of household. As we'll see soon in the next verse, it's 20 years and up, 20 to 60, they were counted. Although not everybody 20 to 60 had their own household, nonetheless, it was primarily the idea of number of households that were within each tribe. Um, let's continue verse 3. From 20 years old and upwards, all who are fit to go out to the army in Israel. So it's also a military um, type of, you know, military age in ancient times for the Jewish people was 20 to 60. 
And so this is also those who are fit to serve in the army of God. Um, so you shall count them by their legions, you and Aaron. So who should do the counting? Moses and Aaron, the two, right, the siblings, the siblings in chief, the, the very uh, prominent brothers, Moses and Aaron, should be themselves counting the Jewish people. Now, we've talked about this many times before, the idea that why, why is Moses and why is Aaron counting? Can't they hire somebody or volunteers? Like, you know, the census. We just had a census, right, in 2020. Yeah, so I, and it was during the pandemic, right? They were going around. I remember I didn't even want to answer the door because who was answering doors back in the day? And she tells me, um, I'm Jewish, I'm your neighbor, and I'm, it's for the census. So I said, no problem, let's schmooze on the porch with masks, socially distanced, and we did. So anyway, the point is that a census is usually done by volunteers, you know, people that are, you know, raising their hand. They want to be part of something. Maybe they get paid. I, I don't know if they get paid or not paid, whatever, but it's more of like a grassroots effort. Here, it's Moses and Aaron themselves who are doing the counting. And the question is, lama, not lama, that's an animal, but lama in Hebrew means why? Fravos in Yiddish. Why in the world would you take the, su it's going to sound weird, Supreme leader, that sounds like Iran, whatever. But why would you take like the spiritual leaders of the Jewish people and have them go door to door, tent to tent? And the answer is because it's not that God needs to know the number. It's that the people need to know that they count. God doesn't need Moses and Aaron to let him know how many mouths to feed, how many tents to feed. It's not what's at stake here. What's at stake here is that the people should know that they are beloved by God, that they are loved and treasured. In fact, look at the first Rashi on the first verse of this book. When God commands Moses to count, look what Rashi says. Because they, the Jewish people, were dear to him, he counted them often. And that's all you need to know. He wasn't counting them because he wanted to know the number. He wanted to count, he counted them often because he loves them. Uh, in other words, God loves us. Let me just speak first person, right? Us. God loves us. He counts us often. It's kind of like, and Rashi continues, when they left Egypt, he counted them. When many fell because of the sin of the golden calf, he counted them. Um, when he came to cause the divine presence to rest among them, he counted them. On the first of Nisan, the Mishkan was erected. And then on the first of ER, he counted them. So basically, again and again, he counts them, counts them. And the point of Rashi, as the Rebbe explains, is that because of his love for us, he counts us. It's not a utilitarian task. It is a, an act of love. It's kind of like, again, Lahavdil, to create a separation between holy and mundane. But if you had an, a collection of... I don't know, what do people collect? Um, comic books or a collection of stamps or a collection of, you know... Um, snow globes. Snow globes, right. Jason. Or Yeah, oh, nice, yeah. I love snow globes also. <laughs> it's from all over the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were, yeah. We were just in... Um, we were in Orlando for Pesach and we encountered a snow globe somewhere that was really cool. I, I took note of it. I'm like, I, I, I would love the snow globe. And then I'm like, yeah, but I, I just felt like I can't start with this one. Anyway, that was my thought. And anyway, the point is like this. The point is that like I, my thought was if I had a collection, this would definitely be part of it. But 
I'm not going to get there, so whatever. But getting back to this thing, you know, when you have a collection, periodically you'll take it out and you'll go through them and you'll count them. You'll notice each one of them because you love it, because you're into it. And that's what Rashi's saying. Because God loves us. I got you, I got you, I got you, I got one of you, one of you. God counts us because he loves us. And that's why it's through Moses and Aaron. Moshe and Aaron are doing the counting because who, who better to express the love than the two spiritual leaders of, of our people? Let's continue. Um, verse 4. With you there shall be a man from each tribe. So as each tribe is counted, Moses and Aaron should go with one representative, a leader of the tribe, one who is head of his father's house. All right, and these are the names of the men who shall stand with you. In other words, the tribal representatives that are part of the census for their respective tribes. For Reuben, the leader that should be representative, that should be representing the tribe is Elitzer, the son of Shedeir. For Simeon, Shalumiel, the son of Zuri Shaddai. For Judah, Nachshon, the son of, Amin, of, Amin, of Aminadab. You might remember Nachshon as the one who was the first guy to walk into the sea before it split. When God said to Moses, tell the people to, to march forward into the sea, everyone's like, what? Are you sure? Oh, I just got this phone call coming in. Once, I'll be right there. I just got to grab this. You guys go. Who was the first one in the water? Nachshon. He put on his... Uh, his goggles, and no, I'm kidding. He just walked right in. The water got up to his nose, and then it split. So he was, rep and he was from Judah. So he was their representative for Issachar, verse 8. It was Nathanael, the son of Zuar, for Zebulun, Eliab, the son of Halon, for the children of Joseph. Remember, Joseph is divided into two tribes sometimes, Ephraim and Manasseh. That was the blessing. If you recall, we did this together. Before his passing, Jacob called in Joseph and Joseph's sons. And he said, Menashe and Ephraim, remember he crossed the hands. He said, you shall be like Reuben and, Sh Reuben and Shimon to me. In other words, you shall be, when it comes to the division of the land and the tribal status, you are elevated to tribal status. So here they were counted separately, Ephraim and Menashe, even though they were both from Joseph. They were the, the grandchildren, yet they each get their own representation. For Ephraim, the tribal leader, is Elishama, the son of Amihud. And for Manasseh, or Manasseh, it's Gamliel, the son of Pedatzer. Let's continue. For Benjamin, it's Abidan, the son of Gedoni, is the representative. For Don, it's Ahiazer, the son of Amishadai. For Asher, it's Pagiel, the son of Achron. For God, it's Eliasaf, the son of Duel. For Naphtali, it's Achira, the son of Enon. These, verse 16, these were the ones summoned by the congregation, the princes of the tribes of their fathers. They are the heads of the thousands of Israel. These were each of these 12. Levi was not counted because they were not counted in this, in this census. They had their own count. So you had one tribe missing, but you divided Joseph into two. So you had 12 tribes still. I hope that, that math, what I just said, makes sense. Right, you start off with 12, minus 1, but then you're adding 1 because you split Joseph into 2, so you still have 12. So each tribe was counted separately to, with Moses Mos and Aaron did the counting with their tribal leader, and these are they. Then Moses, and, verse 17, then Moses and Aaron took these men who were indicated by their names. In other words, they were mentioned by God, and they assembled all the congregation on the first day of the second month, 
refer to the chat if you want to see which date, 1 ER 5, uh, 2449. So they assembled everyone together on that day and they declared their pedigrees according to their families, according to their father's houses. What that means is they made sure that everybody who was in a tribe was from that tribe and that everybody was affiliated and lined up in their correct tribal affiliation based on the patrilineal descent. Patrilineal means patriarchal, i.e. father. So Jewish identity goes by mother, but tribal affiliation goes by the father, the father's houses. According to the number of names, a head count, I'm back in the verse, by the way. According to the number of names, a head count of every male from 20 years old and up. It was really 20 to 60. As the Lord commanded Moses, so did he count them in the Sinai desert. In other words, Moses did as he was told. That's pretty straightforward reading. The, again, the, 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 the spiritual insight that I, want you, that I wanted to share on this first reading was mainly about the nature of counting and the significance of counting, that it's not about God needing to know the number, but it's because God loves us, can't get enough of us. One of you, one of you, one of you, each one is counted. Let's continue with, with uh, the second reading, which is really for today, for Monday. So Numbers chapter 1, verse 20, we continue. This, oh, and now we get into the results of the census. No, so how many were there? Here we go. This was the sum of the children of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel. Right, Reuben was the first son, firstborn. Their descendants according to their families, according to their father's houses, the number of individual names of every male from 20 years old and upward, all who were fit to go out to the army. All right, that's, in other words, here are the numbers. Drum roll. Though, verse 21, those counted from the tribe of Reuben were 46,500. Okay? If anybody wants to keep a running tally, you can. You can open up a calculator and keep a running tally. You could. You don't have to because the Torah will give us the final total, but it might be fun to do that. Um, I'm tempted to do that, but I'm not going to do that just because I don't want to mess up my screen right now. So 46,500 for Reuben. Let's continue. Verse 22, of the, tri of the tribe of Simeon, Shema. Their descendants according to their families, according to their father's houses, his tally according to the number of individual names of every male from 20 years old and up, 20 years old and upward, all who were fit to go out to the army, those counted from the tribe of Simeon. That preamble is going to be by each tribe, by the way, so get used to it. So that the, the count for Simeon is 59,300. Next, of the tribe of God. Oh my God. Oh, so God, their descendants according to their families, according to their father's houses, the number of individual names of every male from 20 years old and upward, all who were fit to go to the army, those counted from the tribe of God are, what's the number? 45,650. By the way, so far, pretty round numbers. You notice that? Pretty round numbers. It's not like you're getting uh, 45,652. It's 650. Rabbi, how, how close did everybody live together and were they like aggregated by tribe? I saw the most amazing book when I was in New York this past week. <coughs> it was an illustrated book of, the Jew, of Jewish life in the desert. Based on verses, but also from like maybe a kid's perspective or, or an adult. I don't I, I didn't, I just flipped through it. But it, it was so beautifully drawn. It, was, it wasn't um, like precise illustration. It was kind of like a little bit, 
not abstract, but like a little bit like. Um, yeah, but it was gorgeous. Like you see, like you're with the character and like vantage point on top of a hill looking out at the encampment. And it's like, oh, it's breathtaking. And you see the Mishkan and it's gorgeous. You know, it's like, a, it's not like a, you know, a 3D image or even like any of the stuff that we normally see. If you Google like images, this was like a real life type of illustration, you know, with the mountains and the sky, like, and with like drawn to scale almost where you could see like people versus, you see how big, anyway, I, I say that all because I was struck the most by those two things that I mentioned, the Mishkan itself, gorgeous, as well as the encampment, which you're asking about the Jewish people. They were encamped by tribes. The Mishkan was at the epicenter of the encampment. Around it were Levite families, and around that were the 12 tribes in four directions of three tribes each. So if you imagine the Mishkan, it was a rectangle, right? It was like a yeah, rectangle in the middle. And then on the four sides around it, northeast, southwest, you have um, Levites. And then around it again, northeast, southwest, you have the tribes. Three to the north, three to the east, three to the south, three to the west. And so they, they stayed in their tribal area. Do you know how you just described is like the Arc de Triomphe, the way all the, the other roads, Sandrine will appreciate it. It's central. Nice. And all the roads go out is, and circle around. Is it. that where the Tour de France ends? Yes. That's so awesome. Yeah, I've, I've, I've seen video of that before, and it looks like there's a lot of action happening. Oh, it's like bumper cars yeah. to when you drive there. Yeah. It's like, a, it's like drive, a national pastime. Yeah, I would never drive there, but like <laughs> I drove with my brother-in-law, and I just closed my eyes. Like, <laughs> I, I, that seems to be something that needs to be done at least one time in a lifetime, is, is go, <laughs> go around that circle. Maybe there's 12. Maybe there's 12. Maybe it was modeled after. By the way, I will tell you. Oh, I saw something else. I, I, I don't know that I'm going to remember the context. I saw something else recently, like in the last few days or week. And it was something that was modeled after something Jewish or biblical or Torah based. And I don't remember what. I'm, I know I'm being super vague because I literally don't remember what it was. But it was like, that's pretty cool. Anyway. But so, so Rabbi, on the soul trip, we'll do that. We'll go into like the bookstores, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the Judaica stuff is a major part of it. The sofa, the scribe, everything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's a lot of fun. The soul trip, and, and there's and there's actually so much to do that in the past, what we've done is divided into different tracks. Like you could do the food track, or the shopping track, or the Judaica track, or the um, um, uh, like Jewish organization tour track, you know, there's like Chabad.org and Jewish Asian Media and JLI, like those types of, there's, there's too much, really there's too much to do in one half, in one day. That's why I was saying to, to, give, to give two options. I one know, I know. So I, I'm going to follow up with Rabbi Shusman. Maybe to do that, we would need to use a weekend to leverage a weekend on that. Right. But maybe we do something. Anyway, it's, it's a... Uh, yeah, if you could have a Friday and a Sunday, that would be, that would be helpful. Um, okay, so let's get back inside and let's get to Judah. Okay, verse 26, of the tribe of Judah. 
their descendants, according to their families, according to their father's houses, the number of individual names of every male from 20 years old and upward, all who were fit to go out to the army. Those counted from the tribe of Judah, 74,600. So far, that's the most, 74,600. Of the tribe of Issachar, Yisachar, their descendants, according to their families, according to their father's houses, the number of individual names of every male from 20 years old and upward, all who were fit to go to the army. Those counted from the tribe of Issachar were 54,400. Of the tribe of Zebulun or Zavulun, their descendants according to their families, according to their father's houses, the number of individual names, every male from 20 years old and upward, all were fit to go to the army. Those counted from the tribe of Zebulun were 57,400. Of the children of Yosef, remember Yosef is split into two. Of the children of Yosef, of the tribe of Ephraim, it's called the tribe, by the way. You see that? Ephraim is called the tribe. Elevated to tribal status. Of the tribe of Ephraim, their descendants according to their families, according to their father's houses, the number of individual names of every male, from 20 years old and upward, all were fit to go to the army. Those counted from the tribe of Ephraim were 45,500. Now, what about um, the other subdivision, if you will, of Yosef, Menashe? Oh, sorry. Um, I need to mention, Menashe was the firstborn. Ephraim was the second. But Ephraim is mentioned, is counted first. Remember when Jacob switches hands to bless the younger one? And Joseph says, no, 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 you switched your hands. He's like, I know what I'm doing. Ephraim is elevated from that point to the more prominent position, even though he's the younger brother. So in the tribal count, guess what? Ephraim is counted first and then the elder Manasseh of the tribe of Manasseh. Their descendants according to their families, according to their father's house, the number of individual names of every male from 20 years old and upward, all were fit to go to the army. Those counted from the tribe of Manasseh were 32,200. Okay, let's continue with Benjamin. Of the tribe of Benjamin, their descendants according to their, fam according to their families, according to their father's houses, the number of individual names of every male from 20 years old and upward, all were fit to go to the army. Those counted from the tribe of Benjamin were 35,400. Of the tribe of Dun, their descendants according to their families, according to their father's houses, the number of individual names of every male, from 20 years old and upward, all who were fit to go out to the army, those counted from the tribe of Dun, 62,700. And if I'm not mistaken, the tribe of Dun, in the travels in the desert, served a very important role. It was Shevet Dun, the tribe of Dun, who were the Mi'asef. They were the collectors of all the lost and found. They would go in the back when the tribes moved. So when they camped, they camped in, you know, around the perimeter, as I explained. But when they, when they traveled, they traveled also groups, one in front of the other. Dun, this tribe of 62,700 men between 20 and 60, they traveled last. And they collected all the stuff. That was left. Yeah, cell phone charger, AirPods, right? All that stuff that they didn't have then. They collected all that stuff and they would return it by the next time everyone camped together. Next, verse 40. Of the tribe of Usher, their descendants according to their families, according to their father's houses, the number of individual names of every male from 20 years old and upward, all were fit to go to the army. Those counted from the tribe of Usher, 41,500. Of the tribe of Naphtali, this is going to be the last one. 
their descendants according to their families, according to their fathers' houses, the number of individual names from, of every male from 20 years old and upward, all over to go to the army. Those counts from the tribe of Naphtali, <coughs> 53,400. Now, if you had been keeping tally of all 12 counts and kept on uh, you know, adding on, you would have already the answer, the total tally. But you will have to wait to verse 46, which I'm scrolling away from to keep it secret. You'll have to wait till verse 46 to see the Torah's math. And you could have fact-checked it, but no, what are you going to do? So here we go. These are 44. This is the, the final, not the final, but the, the flourish at the end of all the counting. These are the numbered ones, the counted ones whom Moses and Aaron and the twelve princes of Israel counted, each one representing his father's house, each of these twelve princes representing their tribe. All the children of Israel were counted according to their father's houses, from twenty years old and upward, all who were fit to go out to the army. <clears throat> the sum, here we go, verse 46, the sum of all who were counted, 603,550, 603,550, was the total. Remember, only the male Israelites, 20 to 60, not the women, not the children, not the elders, and not the Levites. So that's why you hear the number. You'll hear me say there were about two or three million Jews then. Where does the number two to three million come from? If you have 600,000 men, 20 to 60, think about another 600,000 women of a similar age, approximately. That's now 1.2 million. Plus children, I mean, boys and girls, till the age of 20, probably another six, I, I don't know, maybe another 600,000, and then the elders, and then the Levites. You're over 2 million at that point, most likely. Okay, let's continue. Um, but the Levites, according to, yeah. But that begs the question. So if we started as 2 million. Yes. Why so many thousands of Yes. Years? Are we so small? It's a flat. I, I, this is, I am big into this, what you're saying. I'm into this observation. It strikes me every single time. Same observation. Talk about, I mean, you can go from like one Christianity and Islam, you go from one to billions in a small amount, of, relatively small amount of time. You're going from two to three million to what? Twelve? 14, 15, 16? That should happen in one generation or two generations. In 200 years, you can go from 2 to 12, theoretically, you know, if you have a few kids, right? I'm saying, like, but to go, it's almost a flat line. The, the reasons you and I, we know number one, persecution, and all of the killings and, and, and persecution hardship. But also, for being honest, it's because of, I don't know, nowadays we would call it assimilation, but back in the day, I don't know what they called it, but people that just walked away. Because it's not, it's, it, it's demanding. It's, it takes, it's demanding to be a Jew and to, uh, to, 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 stay with, to stay with Judaism. It's not easy. It's not easy inside, it's not easy outside, internally, externally. So I think there are internal and external factors that have led, essentially, it's not exactly flat, but over the span of 3,000 years, over the span of, yeah, 3,300 years, to go from 
two, even two, to, I don't know what it is today, 12, 14, somewhere around there, 15, let's say, to go from there is, if you plotted that out, it would look pretty flat. It would look very incremental. And I would, of course, if we really looked at it, I'm sure it goes up and down and up and down, that sort of thing. We lost 6 million, you know, not, not that long ago, which is a very significant number. But yeah, there's no other way to slice it. I mean, it's, it's, um, and also we don't proselytize. We're not looking to build the numbers. Correct. That's right. Thank you for mentioning that. That's a very important piece of it. Yeah. Yeah. We're not looking. It's not, it's not about the numbers because Judaism respects other religions as opposed to other religions that say you have to be this or else you're out eternally damned or you could join us. Judaism says you're good as you are as long as you're, I mean, be a mensch, a moral human being. Seven laws for all mankind, you're set. The Jew has uniquely 613 laws. You want to, you want to join that, that group? You want to join that, that way of living? It's open. It's available. If you're, if you're legit, you're sincere, you want to join for the right reasons? No problem. But you don't have to. And that's uh, also a big piece of it. I would agree with you. All right, but the Levites, verse 47, but the Levites, according to their father's tribe, Levi, were not numbered among them. They were not counted in this census. This was strictly, I mean, you know, it mentions military again and again. You could argue, you could say, although it's, I don't think the energy is, is, is exactly accurate, but it was a military count. You know, how many potential soldiers do we have in this army? You know, how many males between 20 and 60? Oh, 603,550. It's good to know. But again, it's not just military. It's also the idea of the households and the idea of, of the, the people being dear to God. Now, let's continue. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, verse 48, only the tribe of Levi you shall not number. In other words, Levi is different. Do not count them. You shall not, and you shall not reckon their sum among the children of Israel. Don't count them amongst the general populace. But you shall appoint the Levites. The Levites have a different role. They have a different, everything about them is different, Right? Mark is a Levite. I don't know if Mark is here, but, you know, it's, um, Levites are a different breed in a good way, right? But you shall, what, so what should the Levites do? Like, what's their thing? You shall appoint the Levites over the tabernacle of the testimony. That, that's where they belong. Over all its vessels and over all that belong to it, they shall carry the tabernacle as we discussed prior. They shall minister to it. They shall encamp. Oh, here. They shall encamp around the tabernacle. That's where they live. They live right around the tabernacle. A very short commute to work. When the tabernacle is set to travel, the Levites shall dismantle it. They were the ones to take it apart. Remember, the tabernacle. I, I know you, I'm sure everyone knows this and knows this well, but just to make sure, the tabernacle, or for anybody listening, the tabernacle is a portable temple. So instead of a, instead of a, a, a temple being built of stone, and mortar and brick, it's built of walls of wood and gold that can be removed. Fits in sockets. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's portable, but it's more than portable. It's take apartable. I'm sure there's a word for that. You can take it apart and put it back together again. So who did that? The Levites. And when the tabernacle camps, the Levites shall erect it. They put it together again. And any outsider, non-Levite who approaches... For this type of work shall be put to death. No one is allowed to dismantle it, put it up, 
transported other than a Levite. Not, not, not cool. Not, not permissible. The children of Israel shall encamp each man by his own camp and each man by his division. That answers your question, Donna, right? That's clear. Every tribe by their own tribal group. Um, were there, you know, overnights by someone, hey, okay, can I come over to your house? I don't know. Maybe I had to clear it with the boss. I, I don't know how that worked, but, but the permanent dwelling, well, not permanent, they were still moving, but the quasi-permanent dwellings were by their own camp and division. The Levites shall encamp around the Mishkan of the testimony so that there be no wrath upon the congregation of the children of Israel. And the Levites shall keep the charge of the Mishkan of the testimony. In other words, if the, if the Levites don't, in camp, around the Mishkan, around the tabernacle, it could be dangerous. And the children of Israel did. All right, so that's all the command. What happened in actuality? Here we go. The children of Israel did according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses. Thus did they do. Exactly what God asked, they did. The count, the Levite role, the encampments. Um, yeah, the encampments and you know the, the, the abiding by these rules. They all did what they needed to do. All right, that is it for yesterday and today. So that's it for today. And um, I do think, as I'm thinking about it, that it makes sense to do a little bit of, not today, but maybe starting from tomorrow, a little bit of Mishnah. We can go a little bit faster through the Torah reading and, uh, and, then, and then tag on some Mishnah, a few Mishnahs. But I, like I said, I'm going to go through that and make, um, formulate a bit of a plan about how many we need to do each day, etc. The tractate we're going to do is Brachot, which is the fir- very first tractate of the Mishnah and the Talmud. We're not going to do Talmud. Talmud is much longer. But the Mishnah is specifically associated with the Neshama, so that's what we're going to study. I'm looking up now. We'll be using Sepharia Mishnah. Sepharia Mishnah. Brachot. There are exactly nine chapters. Each chapter has, you know, we could even do, could we do a chapter a day for nine days? It's possible. It's possible. That could be a goal. Might be a little too ambitious. Each chapter has, I'm looking here on my, on the browser. It's great. It's Hebrew and English. It's all, all you know, all, all we would have to do is just, Pull this up like we do DPP and just just read through it. So each chapter here looks like it has somewhere around like five, six, seven, eight Mishnahs. It's really not a lot. It's really not a lot. So I think we can. I think we might even be able to do one mission a day over nine days. And you know we have Shavuot coming up, so a few days we won't learn. But I think if we try to do a chapter a day we'll get in before the Shloshim. If we need to do, you know, a, a chapter over two days, that's fine also. Okay. So starting tomorrow, please God. All right. All right. Great to see everybody. Have a wonderful day. Sandrine and Donna and Ray and Matt, it's great to see you all. Yeah, it's great to be back. Can question? Yeah, for sure. Always. Oh, um, so two questions sure. for Ephraim and Menashe. Is that why we, um, you know, the blessing over the sun on Shabbat? Yes. It's because of their, they were so important that they're counted as just like the tribe? Yeah, so my, I've seen, yes. Yeah, so number one, they're on the level of a tribe, but why specifically those two? 
So my, my understanding is that they were the first to be born outside of Israel, outside the Holy Land. Unlike all the tribes themselves, the 12 brothers, they were the next generation born in Egypt, and yet they were righteous. And so it's kind of like, certainly in the diaspora, the message is, you know, it's like the, the kids, you know, made in America, you know, the, the American kids, you know, that, that there's significance to that blessing of, you know, Menashe and Ephraim did it. They grew up in a completely foreign environment and they remained true to their faith. The blessing is that you too, you know, despite, you know, everything else going on, that you remember who you are. That was one family? That was Menashe and Ephraim were from Joseph, who, uh, who, who got married and had kids in Egypt before, um, you know, while he was viceroy. So that's why, uh, the, so there's a tradition to bless the children to be like Menashe and Ephraim, bless a son to be like Menashe and Ephraim. Why Menashe and Ephraim specifically? Sandrine asked, so that's uh, an observation. I'm sure there's more to it, but certainly they were on the level of tribes and even additional merit that they remained steadfast despite growing up, being born and growing up in Egypt, which was a very different environment. Thank you. And the other question was, so we're, you know, counting when we're no, we're not supposed to count. And here, Rashi said, um, it cannot be referring to a direct head count for the Torah forbade, forbade right. this in Shemot. So right. How were they counted? <laughs> How are they counted maybe, not here? Not one, not so yeah, or maybe they were counted also with a donation. We have to. Um, I don't remember. Were, was there anything given? Oh, yeah, actually, it says here we shekel. Yeah. So it seems like they also collected the coins, and they counted the coins instead of the people. There's always this thing, as you as you reference, and thank you for pointing that out, to not count people directly. One, two, three, four, etc. You don't count directly, you count indirectly, either through something else, like each person would give a coin and you count the coins, so you're not counting the people. Or like in synagogue, we might say a verse that has 10, if you want to count for a minion, you assign a, 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 a one word of that verse, Hoshia es amecha ovarech es nachosecha urim olam, so that you would, you would assign each person a word from the verse as you're kind of not counting, so you're, you know, you're, if, if, if you're able to say the verse with people, you know, you have a minion. Um, beyond that, sometimes people do not one, not two, not three, you know, so I'm not counting because I'm not, you're not one. You're not one. You're not one. Although it sounds like the same thing, right? So yeah, it's like an indirect way or attempting to be indirect. But yeah, that's a very important piece over here. Oh, hey, hey, look at you. He's welcoming you back to... Uh, oh, that's so nice. <laughs> He's so cute. I love... I love the eyes against, like, the black. Look at that. So... <laughs> gorgeous. Oh, so cute. Very nice. Very nice. All right. Very good. We'll see you soon. Um, oh, I need to mention. Very important. Very important. I'm gonna, I need to send out an email. I, I looked at my calendar today. And I see that tonight is RCS. And really? oh. I mean, officially, that's, that's, that's where I'm headed. Yes. We can't have RCS. Leah is teaching it, but she, I, I usually work with her and, you know, 
yeah, on, on you know sending out some emails and 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 give her a heads up about preparing it. Last week I was completely out of uh, out of commission of doing anything. So basically, we need to postpone. Unfortunately, we need to postpone tonight's class. And um, what we're running into is next Monday night is Shavuot. The one after that, we're starting the Hebrew course. So I think we may need to move it to a Thursday night. Not this Thursday, but the next Thursday. Would that be um, uh, a deal breaker for anybody? Is that okay? A third. Okay. I I'm hoping, I know we always do it Monday night. I'm hoping, you know, I, I was, I'm, I'm hoping that everyone will be understanding and, um, you know, be open to a little bit flexible, um, notwithstanding the very late notice. So, um, but I need to actually get on that and write, write an email and send it out to everybody because it's probably on people's calendars. So anyway, so that's what's going on. So the date would be, instead of the 10th, it would be the 20th. Oh, it can't be the 20th. I put the book club then. Oh my gosh, so many things. Okay, anyway, look out for an email and we'll get this on the calendar at some point. At the beginning of a month, at the in the middle of a month, it's going to be on a day. So stay tuned. It'll, it'll hit your email boxes in the next 20 minutes or so once we figure this out. Okay, we'll see you all. Have a wonderful day. Bye, everybody. Great to see you guys. Sure, bye. Take care. Sure, bye.